you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. The Around the NFL Podcast. Builds through the draft. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I am in a room that is just filled with heroes. Two of them wearing the exact same shirt. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. To be clear, Dan, these are sweatshirts, not shirts. Just to give you a little bit yes. of a brief garment rundown. They are really adorable. In the honor of cousins. the Patriots' ridiculous draft. <laughs> yes, this is a lot of a lot of bubbling heat uh, already in the newsroom downstairs. Chris Wessling has two howitzers attached. It's the only gun I know uh, because of this draft cycle. Gatling. To, only, I only know howitzer. Um, uh, not happy or not impressed by what the Patriots did in this draft. Greg already on his heels. How am I going to combat Wes here? This is going to be one of the great scientist podcasts of all time. I can already feel it. Your your quarterback is 40 years old. How about a modicum of a sense of urgency? (laughs) I've never, I've never, I love it because Wes has never sounded more like Sully from Dorchester calling up the EI. (laughs) What the heck? You're you're trading for future picks? What's going on? Well, Greg, here's one thing. Gentlemen? Through a, through a lot of ups I've and downs. Got, I've had very limited range. <laughs> through a lot of ups and downs with the Patriots, you know, the Tom yeah. Brady suspension and stuff. Greg, or, Wes has been your constant traveling companion in terms Carrying of... Carrying that water. Right. And, and I up would and say... Up and down the hill. Up and down. Post, well, that and post like, Jimmy Garoppolo that and like 15 trade, victories a year. Post-Jimmy Garoppolo trade, Wes is out on New England. There he is, is it's, out. It's a combination of things with the Garoppolo trade, but, but the backbreaker was Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl and that just ridiculous notion of benching one of your best players because you know it's only the most important game of the year and what you play your entire season for and you're like no no we we can't use one of our best defenders today bill belichick you should know chris wessling turns his back on you ask mike brown done it's over 
There's no going back. Yes, this. I think he's going to sleep at night. Four and twelve. Yeah, he's like, wait, draft analysis <laughs> negative from Wes, the draft expert. He put in that much homework into the draft compared to me, That's, and he knows better. Uh, than, oh my God, just, I'm done. Just slightly disrespectful, Greg, towards Wes. So if you are yes listening, if you're still listening, that is the big heat bubbling underneath this show, which is the final. Uh, recap of the 2018 NFL Draft rounds one through seven. How much do we respect round seven? We're re- recording this podcast as pick 227 from the Dolphins comes in. Facts. I mean, listen, Let how about this? Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know who Mr. Irrelevant is this year. I, I'm fine. You're out on Mr. Irrelevant more than ever before. You feel that the vehicle no longer is, is relevant. I think but- it's time for the whole Mr. Irrelevant shtick to be put to bed. By definition, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I think when the real Mr. Irrelevant, you know, who I, who I love, when, when he passed away, they should have gotten rid of the tradition, you know, with him. Did, did he pass away? Oh. I think he's still alive. Okay. Now. He doesn't matter. That was, Lindsay, can you look that up? Can you see if Mr. Irrelevant No, that was the joke. Us? He's alive. That oh, was, he is. That was the joke. But, you know. <laughs> that is That's not that is some usually stunning, about, stunning right. humor, Greg. I don't know. Uh, All right. So, what's today's <laughs> show about? Yes. Yeah, so uh, if you are um, not caught up, you go and listen to our Thursday night show where we recapped all the first round picks. A lot of sex appeal in the first round with five quarterbacks going and all that fun stuff and all the trades. Uh, now we're going to go through the whole draft and also a little bit of winners and losers of the 2018 NFL draft. And that's always fun. But Let's talk about some of the big news that kind of came out of Friday and Saturday. And I think the story that everybody kind of loves, and it was obviously the big human interest story on Saturday, but also a kind of interesting football story was uh, uh, Shaq Griffin joining his brother in Seattle. And this is very cool. Lindsay uh, got us the audio of the phone call Mm. from Carol and uh, Schneider, the GM, uh, speaking with Griffin when the draft went down. Let's listen to that. Yeah, what's happening? Told you no Delta. <laughs> oh, sorry. Wrong one. <laughs> Hello? Shaquem, it's John Schneider calling, buddy. How you doing? Uh, I'm just, I, can't, I can't even breathe right now. You get to play with your brother again, okay? We're going to pick you right here, okay? 141. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, sir. And here's Coach Carroll, okay, buddy? Congratulations. Can't uh, wait to see you. Oh, my God. Thank you so uh, much. Shaq, you okay? I can't breathe right now. I'm not going to breathe. <laughs> still can't breathe. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, well, it's a real deal, man. This is a great moment, and uh, we're really Thank excited you so about much. it. We're expecting you to come in here and bust ass now. You know that, right? Yes, sir. Um, I'll give going. everything I got. I know you give will. Everything I, I, got. I know you will. Congratulations on it. Uh, congrats to your brother, too, and your family. I know everybody's really excited about this, and, and uh, couldn't be sweeter. Be humble okay, as we do this. I That's promise good. you that. I know. It's freaking awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> that is so Pete Carroll. It's freaking awesome. I thought it was, I mean, a lot of things in the NFL draft, by the time you get to the end of this seventh round, uh, I think sitting in the newsroom all, all weekend long, that you can start to feel a little worn down by some narratives that just get pounded into your head over and over. And, I mean, this certainly was on a pretty quiet third day of the draft, uh, a centerpiece. But that call, watching, you watch the video too, if you, the Seahawks tweeted it out, it is cool. I mean, it is like the way this ended up, this is a guy that didn't even initially wasn't even on the radar of the combine. And so to go from where he went, not forget about all the other stuff beforehand, from the combine to here to wind up with his brother in Seattle. And I, the one thing I do trust about the Seahawks, that this isn't some 
sort of uh, PR move on any point on any part on their part. They if know you don't, if you they don't know, know who this he story, Shaquem Griffin, he was he was born with some type of abnormality, uh, which led to them having to amputate his left hand when he was four years old. So it's a tremendous story. The idea, uh, and we heard about it leading up to the draft, this guy could get drafted, but now he's actually in the NFL, and that's what makes it such an amazing story. I mean, Mayock it's had, freaking awesome. Mayock had good analysis, too. They have to find out. The, the key with him is how to use him. He's not an immediate fit for a lot of NFL defenses. He does some things really well, and that Seattle, you trust, can do it. I stand in awe of his determination. I can only imagine how many times throughout his life he's been told that he can't do something. And the amount of willpower you have to have to put yourself in this position. And, you know, Bob McGinn, who who puts out a great draft product, pulling scouts, um, longtime Packers beat writer. A lot of these scouts are negative about Chuck Griffin and say, you know, he's not going to have a good NFL career. I wouldn't draft a guy. Good luck doubting this guy because every time he's been doubted, he's come through in a superlative fashion, including just knocking the doors off the combine, leading his college team to an undefeated record as a leading tackler. I wouldn't doubt him. I mean, as recently as I think a season or two seasons ago, he was thinking about quitting because he basically had no place on the Central Florida team, had to change positions, had to figure out if he could even play. And it's such an amazing story because – you know, we we all have brother brothers in this room, and uh, to see the two brothers crying while they're hugging was one of the best draft moments ever. Because, uh, mate, one of the biggest reasons Shaquem Griffin is there tonight is because of Shaquille Griffin. Like he refused to go to any college that wouldn't take that wouldn't also offer his brother Shaquem. He could have gone to a lot of bigger schools, and instead he made it happen where he brought him and Shaquem to Central Florida. And then to, for the two of them to go into the NFL a year apart on the same team, I mean, you can't, you just can't write this stuff. Yeah, it's and amazing. to your point, like the, for us, the Shaquem Griffin story is pretty much new and and months old at most. But for him, I mean, we all have kids too. Except you know, Wes Wes uh, does not at the moment. He will it someday. <laughs> and just, just to sum that up. But uh, I mean, you watch your own kids. <laughs> no more on yeah. that, please. <laughs> Let's dig into. You watch your kids have difficulties, and and yet. What he's dealt with from a very young age, and we know how it is to be a, to be a kid in school when they pick on anyone that's different on any level. His story has been going on for so long. This is an unbelievable moment for that family, and it, and the NFL, the way it turned out for the NFL, it's going to be cool to watch the Seahawks because of this. They said he'll back basically he'll back up KJ Wright. That's the position that he's going to be starting at. It's a good spot to be. Special teamer. So there's a great draft story. Um, every year there seems to be some story that. Uh, network latches onto or ESPN latches onto, and this is that story. But it's a great story. There's no other way around right. it. Sometimes they're tedious. This is the opposite. Sometimes you see the strain. In this case, it's a very organic, beautiful tale. Uh, let's move on and talk about uh, some other stuff on the football field. Hey, the trade tsunami. You think you think Dallas is safe from a tsunami? You think that it, where it is positioned on the on the map, which is kind of central northern Texas area. Mm-mm. Not safe. The tsunami hit because Tavon Austin, uh, the wide receiver that the Rams once upon a time took uh, eighth overall and then gave an insane, a totally insane contract extension to a couple of years back. He never matched the the hype and, and the pay. 
and uh, he was briefly cut this offseason, if I recall, and then brought back. It was something weird. It was reported that he was going to be cut. Okay. It never happened. All right. But whatever whatever the case may be, the Rams decided – well, that's the case. Thank you, Greg. The Rams decided they were going to move on, and they found a taker in the Dallas Cowboys who uh, take Tavon Austin off L.A.'s hands in exchange for the 192nd pick in the 2018 draft. Uh, so something of a salary dump, Greg. And the big news out of this um, in terms of Austin going forward is Ian Rappaport reports that the Cowboys want to use him as a running back exclusively. What an int- That was one of the worst contracts of the, of the decade. It's amazing how Sean McVay has kind of just erased a lot of problems that happened during well, and the they, Fisher era. They are currently eating the $4 million right. bonus they gave him a month ago. I was very confused about this trade at first. Like, why would the Cowboys take on that money? But that makes sense. They, they had given a $4 million roster bonus, which was guaranteed. So basically, the Cowboys are taking at least $1 million off of the Rams' salary, and they get a sixth round, the Rams get a sixth-round pick for their trouble. I still kind of don't understand why it's even worth it for the Cowboys, but I guess they're just desperate for yeah. any playmaking help. I, for me, though, the idea that, oh, you know, no one's figured out how to use this player, so Dallas is going to use him as a third down back. We like the athlete, but, I mean, who do you trust more? McVeigh or Scott Linehan to unleash the so-called talent well of of Tavon Austin. And oh, by the way, he was a running back last year for much of the season, and he, he was terribly used. And Sean McVeigh did a very poor job when Bill Parcells came up with the word "satellite back" to describe a back who needs to be in space. It was it was derisive. It was these guys don't have enough power. They don't have enough in their pants to break tackles. And Tavon Austin, yeah. we see these guys get personal about it. No, nah, he just he's too small to play football. Again, a little personal. Just happens like tiny backs who oh, don't see. break okay. tackles. Now I know what you're saying. Dexter McCluster was another one. Mm. Uh, in other Cowboys news, uh, ten days ago, Jason Witten, their forever tight end, had confirmed he was coming back for another season with the Cowboys, and now uh, the uh, report surface one from Mort, uh, ESPN. Uh, that Witten will retire after 15 seasons, and he's uh, planning to take a job in the booth on Monday Night Football for ESPN. Uh, so after many, many years, how many years? 15 years? And Witten was there forever. He is ending his Cowboys career, it looks like. Uh, so the Cowboys, another piece of that franchise, Mark, that's been there forever. Uh, Des Bryant gone also. It's a new era for Dallas. The timing... I mean, if you want to say the Dallas Cowboys did Des Bryant wrong with the timing of his release right before the draft, well, this was equally ugly for the Cowboys because they suddenly had a, a bona fide need, a tight end. And I don't love the way they handled this. Um, it, it was sort of some hemming and hawing from Jerry Jones about whether this was going to really happen with Witten. But who cares? you got to plan for the position. And they allowed nine tight ends to be drafted before they grabbed Dalton Schultz in the fourth round. I mean, you've got to plan for that tight end in that offense with Dak Prescott is a huge position, and you have you are losing a major chunk of your of your playmaking ability right there. It seemed like Jerry Jones was trying to talk Jason Witten out of it, but that Jason Witten, according to Ian Rapport and others, has basically made up his mind as he should, because you know that opportunity is not going to come around very often. I'm not really in love with the idea that's like, well, we couldn't get Tony Romo, let's get his buddy. How yeah. many Dallas I don't know. Cowboys? Maybe, maybe are he'll be fine, games. but it's just too many Cowboys. It's like Aikman, Witten, Romo, 
Right. Why is Dallas the eternal pipeline towards, you know, a major broadcasting roles? Well, I mean, counterpoint, counterpoint. Well, I can't really speak to Staubach, but Aikman and Romo are two of the best. They're excellent at it. Dandy Don Meredith. Dandy Don, a legend. So maybe there is a reason behind it. And Witten, we knew from kind of covering the story on this podcast that the ESPN has been holding private auditions. So I'm assuming Witten went in there and probably did pretty well. well. Yeah. Uh, great, great career. I mean, if this, I guess we'll we'll maybe get an official. We probably have time to do that when he retires in a week, right? Probably. I also, by the way, think now, I don't think it. No, I don't need to talk about his career, but I think he's doing the Cowboys a favor. It's like his playing time and their. I know he's still helpful, uh, but his blocking was not nearly the same. He's certainly not the same receiver. Like cutting Des Bryant and Jason Witten. Retiring at the same time it almost seems like a good thing. Like move, I'm just saying, let's the timing. Move, let's move. No, I know. I just, timing is. Tricky. I'm saying move on though. I think he's doing them a favor. It's a sentimental. Uh, he's a sentimental part of the team that he's still playing that much and that they haven't replaced. A lumbering him. playmaker uh, for the last couple of years. Right, and you he knew wasn't, he wasn't helping their passing game. No, and you knew the announcers that weren't watching tape when they were like Witten, one of the best blockers in the game. It's like he was getting blown up week after week. I mean, it happens. He was in his 15, 16 year. Uh, speaking of aging tight ends who may be at the end of the road, Antonio Gates and the Chargers are no more. This one surprised me. I didn't know that this was cooking, but I guess it all makes sense when you start to put it together. But ESPN's Adam Schefter reported that the Chargers uh, told Gates that the team will not be re-signing him. Gates turning 38 in June. Uh, he's been around 15 years. He has all sorts of tight end records, like Witten, uh, probable Hall of Famer, Uh but, Wes, this probably helps the, the Chargers as well, right? So, I mean, at this point, what was Gates giving them? With all due respect to Antonio Gates' Hall of Fame-level career, and he'll get in, this offense was so much better when Hunter Henry was on the field and Antonio Gates was on the bench last year. Their problems earlier in the year, a big part of it was because Antonio Gates was playing and Hunter Henry was on the bench. And then they became a much better offense when they reversed that. But, yeah, a guy who I remember watching play power forward for – was it Kent State? Yes. He yes. was a really good – not all of these um, tight ends. Flyers? Not well, are you about to do some uh, – we always joke about the Gates basketball thing, but you're actually going to tell us what kind of basketball player he was. <laughs> this is going next level. I like Average 20 a game. Let's go into the he basketball lab. in the tournament, and a lot of these tight ends who become football players weren't that great at tight end. Onions. Antonio Gates was a very good college a basketball feathery player. touch as well. That's a, that's that's prized analysis. I mean, Gates would argue, and he's said this over and over, that I'm 37, but I'm not a 37-year-old football player the same way that a lot of these other guys are because I didn't play college and I didn't you know, have all that wear and tear on me coming into the NFL. He's pretty I, beat up. I would just say, do you think he gets another job? I mean, does no. someone take a flyer? Is he d- he's done? I think he's done. Probably not. And who knows? If, it was, if they didn't have... One he of was the best. a free agent. Right. Anyone could have signed him already yeah, for yeah. the past month. If they didn't have one of the best young tight ends in the league, maybe they would think about bringing him back. But Hunter Henry is a beast. Bad Hunter best. Henry is is ready to be a star, so it makes total sense. He'll always have a home on the Greybeards, at least for this season. Congratulations. He's locked in at your, at your starting tight end He's slot. Locked in, baby. He's locked in. Uh, this is going to be the draft that's remembered as the quarterback draft, so why don't we talk about the mo- most notable quarterback pick in day two or three, it was Mason Rudolph of Oklahoma State. The quarterback is a Pittsburgh Steeler after Pittsburgh traded up with the Seahawks to select Mason with the 76th overall pick. And and this is why you get a little it gets 
you can see it. You see the future of the Steelers maybe coming together here because they also, Greg, and you wrote about this in your winners and losers piece uh, on Friday, they went in the second round and they get Mason Rudolph's wide receiver that he uh, hooked up with con- consistently uh, throughout his tenure at Oklahoma State. And you know the Steelers know how to pick wide receivers. This could be the next step in the Pittsburgh Steelers evolution. Yeah, at this point, I expect if there's like a late second round pick by Kevin Colbert, the Steelers general manager, who's explosive, which you can see James Washington is just by watching some of the highlights. Like you expect he's going to be awesome. I mean, just I fully expect that. And so combining that with uh, a quarterback, a lot of people liked quite a bit, but is not very mobile. Ben Roethlisberger's threatened to retire, so they they have to look at a quarterback. He sort of forced them to. Right, and the and Landry Jones is just he had his chances, and he just could never prove or show that he was the guy that they could trust when Big Ben went down, or if he suddenly did retire. So this one made a lot of sense. I like it. It's funny because like when we look back on these quarterbacks, you know, wouldn't it be just the typical thing that one of these dates, like a Mason Rudolph, winds up somehow being in this great position where he doesn't get thrown into the fire next September, and he winds up he gets comparisons to Kirk Cousins. And he, you're right, he's not mobile, but he's. But they talk about he's an accurate passer that it kind of like, I don't know, I just like the Pittsburgh is kind of the perfect landing spot for a quarterback that could sit and chill for about two more years. Maybe then Big Ben rolls off into the sunset and we'll see. And they basically use the pick that they acquired for Martavis Bryant to make this trade. And when I, when I first heard the Bryant trade, I was thinking, well, that's a good move for the Raiders. But Wes was very adamant about it. And now, you know, going into the last year of his contract, that is the, good, the type of thing smart organizations do, is trade a guy like him in the last year of his contract and then take a chance on a guy who could be your future quarterback with that pick. Like, I mean, plus he's, a, plus he's a raging headache, so well, you've removed that from the locker room. <laughs> in others, other news, the Cleveland Browns, a lot of high-profile picks, including uh, – uh, one and four in the top of the first round, but uh, the number 35 overall pick, they went with Georgia running back Nick Chubb, who uh, overcame a uh, vicious, horrific knee injury earlier in his college career uh, to get back on track and become one of the better runners in college football. And now I ask you, Mark Sessler, as the resident Browns fan, uh, what does this mean for Carlos Hyde and everyone else in that backfield? I mean, I think it means Carlos Hyde, they can get out of the Carlos Hyde contract after next season if they're not thrilled with him. And it's Carlos Hyde is not Jim Thorpe, so let's just let's just settle down on the idea that you know he was going to be their standalone workforce. I mean, they brought him in, they paid him a lot of money I to just, be on the team. I'd have no problem with number one. You need you need three running backs on your roster to begin with. I don't have a problem with them bringing in Chubb and Chubb like last year. Where are you had, lining up Jim Thorpe in 2018? Like what? Could, what I'm sure the Browns would somehow find a role for Jim Thorpe if he were uh, if he were in his prime. I liked. I wanted them to get Nick Chubb because you know when you're kind of just watching this draft, you're not some sort of draft Nick. I was like, get the running backs, get the wide receivers. And Chubb, before his knee injury, was an awesome running back. And they said that basically for, an, for the entire year after his knee injury was not the same. But towards the end of last season, you started to see some of the elements that made him special before. So I think it's an interesting pick, and like they they need. They have the, the Browns on offense, you can laugh all you want, they quietly have a really interesting young roster of some pretty freaky athletes. So we'll see what happens. I woke up to 27 text messages from a buddy at Huckapoos who is a huge Georgia Bulldogs fan and loves Nick Chubb. He is heartbroken. He says he's, he's contemplating never watching football again. 
because he doesn't want Nick Chubb on the Browns. Wow. He well, thinks- that's, a no- that's, a, that's, a, that's a hideous take. <laughs> he, was, he was legitimately heartbroken, and um, he feels like Nick Chubb is better than Saquon Barkley and deserved a better landing spot. But I said, why wouldn't you be happy that he can help turn the Browns around? That's got to be yeah, double. I sweet. think that turnaround is going to happen eventually, and, it's, and they, they went out. One of the things— at 8-8 eight and eight this year. Well, I don't think that's a crazy thing. Is eight and eight know. doesn't mean that you need to blow people up, you know, every week. But Nick Chubb, they talk about the person. They love the person as well. And like that, that Bob McGinn scouting report. If you go read what they wrote about him, it's like scouts love the guy too. So the Browns are, are you know, there's a couple character question marks for their day today. But they went out and tried to find guys who are leaders as well, which has been lacking in that locker room. On that subject, the Browns uh, also in the fourth round took Florida wide receiver Antonio Callaway. Now that's a character guy. And this is a guy that, um, according to people in the know, has first-round type talent, but has been a complete knucklehead uh, off the field, uh, was involved with a sexual assault investigation in which he uh, made comments about his marijuana use, uh, took him out of any type of possibility of being involved. And then there was a credit card scam. And uh, my and I said it to you downstairs, my first takeaway is, well, yeah, let's get that guy in a room with Josh Gordon. Uh, so I would have some concerns about that, but the talent, a freaky athlete, as you say. He's been training with Antonio Brown. I uh, just had a daughter. And, he, and for, by his words, he says that having a child changed a lot for him. And we'll see. I think it's, it's definitely, he's sitting there in the fourth round, primarily and exclusively because of the person He's proven to be over the past couple years. So there's one of two things. Either, like you know, I said to Wes, either you get, you get two birds, one stone, where he just pulls Josh Gordon out with him at some point, or maybe Josh <laughs> Gordon, maybe Josh Gordon's been through enough where he's actually someone that could help mentor a player like that. Who knows? I mean, the only thing is that John Dorsey, he took Tyreek Hill, who had major character issues, and that has worked in Kansas City. It's like you have to have the right organization around you to make it work, and Cleveland needs to prove that they do. Well, Hugh Jackson needs to prove that he knows what to do with a lot of talent because well, yes, he does. you said you can make jokes about Cleveland all you want about their offense. I don't think anyone's making jokes about the talent on their offense. I think people are looking at what they have and thinking that's an offense that should move the ball. And you got and you have, have a veteran year. quarterback in Tyra Taylor. You have a number one overall pick in Baker Mayfield who kind of reminded me of Tyrod Taylor, a, a better Tyrod Taylor when, when I watched him. And all of these guys, I mean, they're deep at the, these different positions. And I, I, I don't mind them taking – You can, the day three of the draft is for taking chances. You can't you can't kill a team unless it's like seven guys just like that, which is kind of like the Raiders I don't know. The Gordon like, thing spooks me because this yeah. is a guy that's been – Spooks Mark too. It's been it's, it, well known. What's funny because like – dealt with demons. And now you bring in this guy who's younger and more immature and has had – is currently having issues. It's just like I don't know if I would do that. I, the only thing is, uh, the only thing I'd say, it's not to. None of us know these people personally at all, and there's a lot more. They did. They didn't. They the Browns feel like they do have a sense for who he is, and we'll see if it works. It's funny because they said about Chubb after they drafted him, he exemplifies everything we're trying to build here in Cleveland. And so, like, that's one one area, and then we kind of take the opposite. <laughs> well, the that's, next that's day. fine, but you can put like. By the way, if you're Carlos Hyde listening to that, you're like, oh. well. By the way, though, you're not just good luck. Good luck building an NFL roster where every player on it right. is, you know, a, a, a shining member of society. You're okay. gonna, you're not gonna right, win many games. Okay, it's Dan. Dan referenced this, but <laughs> y'all want the Browns to succeed. <laughs> We're pulling for. It. I don't know. If saying, we do. You know, we do. I don't know. You reference this, Dan, but yeah. I feel like we deserve to read the actual sentence that Tom Pellicero yes. wrote. Yes, go ahead, read it, please. His various legal entanglements, a sexual assault allegation he was cleared of after a Title IX hearing in which Callaway said he was, quote, 
so stoned, unquote, on marijuana, he didn't want to have sex with anyone. Cleared him of the charges. I mean, it's listen, it's not a spotless track record because the, <laughs> the, the issues go far beyond that one incident. So. Uh, so that's what's going on in Brown's Corner. They will probably come up a little later in the show. Let's talk about the Washington Redskins. Who? Oh, by the way, we have breaking news. We do. What do you got, Wes? The Raiders have traded for another receiver. Whoa, which one? Cowboys wideout Ryan Switzer, who this time last year was hailed as some kind of demon punt returner who was going to take the league by storm and take Cole Beasley's job, has been traded to the Raiders for defensive tackle Jihad Ward. Jihad Ward. What a name. Is that how you pronounce it? That's an intriguing trade. I thought the Cowboys, I mean, that's pretty early to jump out on him. Uh, yeah, especially the way he was built up last year. Are you saying? What I thought I they might say, Mark. John Gruden does it again. I'm not saying that. <laughs> well, we should get into the Raiders later, but they they have had a fascinating draft of taking a ton of high risk, just making like every high risk, high reward move you possibly can. Jihad Ward was drafted high. I'm trying to remember. Was he second round? Second of 2016. Round? I mean, he was a second round pick that they're giving up on. Clearly. Didn't work. I thought they might trade Cole Beasley after this, after the terrible season he had. Not after the tracks he just laid down. Yeah, yeah he's just laying down some heat. Very similar player to Ryan Switzer. I'm just uh, happy that you didn't shame Wes for breaking into the show with a you know, relatively low level <laughs> move. Because I support a as, trade. as much breaking news as possible. That's great. That's why that we're is, up here in the seventh That round. supersedes some of your. Very low-level mezzanine breaking news elements that you brought yeah, to the show. I think Wes brought the, real news. You've abused the privilege. And, and when Wes does it, he, I, Wes, I think, is coming from a good place, whereas you sometimes, I question whether you're I looking mean, to keep the show on track or be a little bit of a, a joke. If, if I had done the exact same breaking news, would I have or would I not? Yes, have because this would have been the rare occurrence where you're not undermining the show but bringing content. <laughs> yeah, as a former executive editor, it's a little disturbing that your news judgment isn't better. <laughs> <laughs> who who was an executive editor? <laughs> Wasn't that what you were? <laughs> Something where editor in chief. So uh, there's some breaking news. Back to. Uh, the Washington Redskins uh, will stay in the NFC East and one of the sauciest moves of round two. 59th overall pick, Darius Geis, the LSU, LSU running back, who we heard time and time again was a first-round talent. This guy should have gone in the top 20 and all that. Uh, however, and, uh, you know, this is these are young kids. You, you forget, like, how young and immature some of these guys are because you think, oh, what was I like when I was 20? Oh, but what if I was also famous and spectacularly talented and everyone wanted a piece of me at all times? Sometimes maybe something short-circuit. And I think that's what happened maybe with Geis in this pre-draft process because he rubbed a lot of teams the wrong way. And the Redskins, uh, who definitely, Wes, had a need uh, for a player like Geis, end up taking him at 59. They inherit the risks uh, that come with the pick, but it could have a big payoff. I had a long back and forth with Spice Rack yesterday. Spicy! Who uh, told me a year and a half ago when everybody was going gaga over Leonard Fournette that he, that Geis was more of his favorite player than Fournette. Spice Rack has loved this guy forever, and he's like, why is he sliding? Well, he made up, he fabricated the story about a team asking him if his mom was a prostitute. Flat out lied about that. And his sexual orientation. Yes, Another team caught him lying in their own interview. And then the report came out that during his interview with the Eagles, 
There was like at the combine, yeah. Yeah, there was there was some kind of outburst where he got into a shouting match with someone in the room. Um, to me, this isn't like oh he's he needs a second chance. It seems just like he's he, a potential locker room weirdo. <laughs> Which you know don't potential. sleep on the locker room weirdo. The old, the old Brandon Lloyd thing. I mean, he obviously has a problem with the truth. Well, he's also as Dan mentioned a kid, right? And so is he gonna grow out of that? Or not, because nothing. There wasn't any like off the field. Like he's gotten into a ton of trouble. It wasn't stuff like that. And I think it's funny because his most obvious comparison, it just jumps off the screen, is Marshawn Lynch when you watch him run. I mean, and I I can see why Spice Rack would love him because like his balance and just the way he runs through people and that he is running so hard, like his just his pants are on fire, down after down. You know, people compared him to Marshawn Lynch, and it kind of reminds me a little of Marshawn Lynch coming out of school, who had a lot of red flags. People weren't too sure about. Ended up, you know, partly short circuiting his time in Buffalo until he really found a home uh, in Seattle. The Redskins were reportedly interested in taking him with the number thirteen overall pick. Chris Cooley tweeted ten days before the draft: the Redskins' ideal draft is to draft Deron Payne and Darius Geis. He said that. And that's exactly what happened. I don't think they expected it to happen just sitting in their two spots. They figured they probably would have had to trade up to go get them. So it works out nicely for the Redskins. It's, it's easy for everyone to... I, By the way, Redskins need to not tell Chris Cooley exactly what they're going to do. That would help. I mean, he grew up in Baton Rouge. <laughs> Cooley's but, pretty plugged in. I know. He's, he's, he's the announcer <laughs> on the radio, and he knew exactly what they were going to do. And this isn't the first time Cooley has come on the air and said, this is what the Redskins are thinking exactly, and it's turned out to be true. This guy's had had a really rough childhood, and I think that half the large chunks of people covering the draft have no concept of what some of these kids have been through before they've gotten to this point. And so, like the idea that there'd be room for him to grow as a person, I'm glad the Redskins, you know, kept him on their board and and took him. Like I, Greg, I watched him too, and like this is like a yards after contact machine. The dude is a hard ass runner. He's not a big receiver necessarily, but he is. A fun to watch, and he will give that. I think the Redskins under Scott McLuhan when he was there were building a tough offense where when they occasionally would have those games where they would focus on the run, it would work. They were a joy to watch. They seem like an old school team. This guy gives you an answer at running back right away if he can they, keep his head on. Watch, great spot for him. They to, could to end get up lane time. They could end up losing the guy that's now the highest paid quarterback in NFL history and be a better offense next year. Why not? Yeah. Um, in other news, Kai Forbeth has competition, Greg. <laughs> Surprised we didn't leave the show with this. I know. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking. Kai's Kai. Yeah. Kai's a guy that's not going to get too worked up about, uh, you know, other people coming in, try to get his job. Kai's only going to focus on Kai, but the Vikings drafted a kicker in the sixth round today. Wes knows his name. I don't. All I could, all I know is, uh, I think it's it's actually I saw a, a witty headline somewhere, might have been PFT. I think it's Daniel Carlson. That's correct. That's so right. it's from Auburn. Cobra Kai against Danielson. I don't think you mm. draft a kicker in the fifth round if you don't assume he's going to fifth round take over the job. Oh no! Yeah, Kai's Kai in a tough spot right now. Yes, he is. Yeah, do we think Kai? You know, Kai being Kai, do we think he's really gonna? Take this young kicker under his wing and mentor him. I don't know. Based on my knowledge of Kai via someone that was close to him, 
I don't imagine he's going to be incredibly. It's not going to be like Josh McCown uh, telling uh, telling Sam Darnold, "Hey, you could stay at my house until you get on your feet." It's not going to be like that type of mentor relationship. It's going to be more like, "I'll kill you if you come on this side of the room." Like take a piece of like masking tape in the kicker room and just say, "If you step over this line, Kai's Kai. Kai's going to kill you." That type of situation. So occasionally, yes, kickers get replaced for being a holes. That is sort of what we're what we're suggesting here. I think in any line of work, that's a risk. <laughs> Speaking of, well, I'm not. I don't know him, but that's the the report suggests I, that he's not a wonderful. I can't say too much. Presence. Okay. Uh, speaking of kickers, that some people think may be an a hole uh, right now. Let's hear uh, David Akers announcing a pick for the Philadelphia Eagles at Cowboys Stadium, AT and T Stadium. Tonight, I'm representing the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> Amazing. That's pretty good. I mean, it's a kicker, and some people are going to say, hey, you know, calm down a little bit. Yeah, me. This right. was on Greg's radar, at, like, starting yesterday, that Dallas has just been abused by one speaker after the next. I like, I like it as a, as a trend. And it was a response. I mean, it's a direct response to Drew Pearson last year in Philadelphia. I mean, that's that he came in ready to respond. He, Drew Pearson comes after them last year. Hey, we happen to win a Super Bowl in the in the following year. You're gonna get it. You're gonna eat it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I love it, Aker. I thought it, it's a little bit weird. Uh, <laughs> Willie Brown came up did his Raiders uh, spiel. You heard? Uh, oh, Mike Vick. Can we hear Mike Vick too, Lindsey? And for the record, I never lost to Dallas. <laughs> he, he lost twice in six tries. Um, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But he lost twice. Why? How Cowboys. does he come up with that as a statement? That's it's Been so easily researchable. Vick's had a long winding life. Maybe some things aren't as clear with him. But you think it, it is kind of weird that these <laughs> these guys come up on the stage. First of all, they're just they're up yes, there it's weird. to announce a pick. And, and instead, it turns into this mega hate fest on the Cowboys. And then right after <laughs> when they were showing um, when they right after the Acres thing went down, they cut to the, the Cowboys war room. And I know they're very busy because they actually had the next pick. The Eagles jumped in front of him and took their guy. And his name was Dallas, which is funny. But. Uh, you got to think Jerry Jones is hearing this. He's like, why is this happening inside my building right now? What are we doing here? What? I didn't sign up for this. I. It is weird. David Akers, you don't play for the Eagles anymore. Oh, he's representing the fans. <laughs> I mean, he didn't a little, like it. A little too amped up. I mean, a little extra. He was very much some, – <laughs> someone made this comparison. But it was perfect. He was exactly the – he was like a manager – of a heel in WWE. I think it was Bill Barnwell WWE. that had that. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. he, he was he was Erwin right. R. Scheister's former manager in the WWE. <laughs> he definitely has a little Bobby Heenan in him. What would you say, Lindsay? You are a huge wrestling fan. Uh, what would be the uh, famous manager? You're a big IRS fan. Sure. <laughs> slick. <laughs> Who would be the wrestling valet? He's not slick. That was most like uh, David Akers on Friday. Paul Heyman, I guess, like currently, if you're looking for yeah. a current guy. I mean, he's definitely Bobby Heenan. Yeah, yeah he's, he's got, a, he got a little yeah. Heenan DNA because Heenan, Heenan was, the was easy yeah, to hate. Heenan was the oh greatest. He was the biggest heel manager of all time. Jimmy Hart was pretty good. The mouth Jimmy of the Hart. South. South. You know what? Jimmy Hart is not a bad comparison either because Jimmy Hart and David Akers are both sort of slight dudes. So I can kind of see that too. That's good. Jerry Jimmy Hart drove me nuts. That you know, oh, yeah. That megaphone? 
Oh, yeah. That guy was annoying. Him and Honky Tonk Man, please. You know it's a trend when... Calm Jim- down, Jimmy Hart. <laughs> I don't know who Jimmy Hart is. He was the mouth of the South. Gentleman. I think he was like... He, Jimmy Hart, Greg, when you were born, maybe, was all like entering his prime. So I he was managing, a lot of crossovers. He was managing Bret Hart and uh, Jim oh, yeah, Bill no, Neidhart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then he... The Hart Brothers or whatever. Well, let's save it the for Hart the, Foundation, the Mouth of the South they podcast. Were? Yeah. They were the Hart Foundation. Uh, all right. So that's what's going on. I want to get into a little winners and losers. We got a lot to we're going to do so a few winners and losers now. Uh we're going to check in on our go get my lunch props and then we're going to try to get Jeremy Bergman uh who's one of our writers and editors downstairs who's been in Dallas to get his thoughts on the scene. Philly got a major pop. It was it's the year of Philly right now and you could say it kind of started uh with the draft last April when uh Philadelphia Got a lot of pop for how lively that was. Let's find out from Burgo later how Dallas was. But uh, let's do some winners and losers. Greg, we'll start with you because you did. Uh, you've been cranking away your uh, winners and losers piece. Friday was today's piece. The Sunday piece also some Dubs uh, and L's. It was more just winners essentially to the, the teams that. How about Dubs and the... L's rebranding your your column because dubs I feel like L's. that it gives it more of a updated spin the way the kids talk. Mm, I like that. <laughs> I think that would be a rough decision, Dubs and Els. Okay. Uh, which which team should we go with? Your here? funeral. I like what the Falcons <laughs> did. I like I like the Falcons looking ahead and taking Calvin Ridley in the first round. I think they needed to juice up their offense a little bit that they couldn't let it just sit there. I think getting Calvin Ridley was a great start. Everything I read about Isaiah Oliver, their second round pick at cornerback, I really like, and I think they have a chance to be one of the. Uh, better cornerback trios in the in the league if he can end up being as good as he looks. And then after that, they really stuck to kind of their MO. I like teams that have defined philosophies. They take guys who jump out of the gym. They take guys who score really high in the spark score and just are great athletes and speed. And you could see that from the third round throughout the rest of the draft. They, they kind of have an identity. And I thought the Ridley pick especially was kind of thinking – a little bit in the future, which I which I really enjoyed. I like that uh, for me, and it, it pains me somewhat to to acknowledge this, but I I think that Ozzie Newsome, in his final draft as one of the greatest GMs that we'll ever you know experience, knocked it out of the park. And you know, and the idea of like you want to leave some sort of a legacy behind. I love what they did with Hayden Hurst at tight end. That filled a need, but that was a great player at that position. And you, unlike some of these teams that were too cowed to deal with the idea of trading up or acquiring Lamar Jackson. Baltimore suddenly, which, I mean, Joe Flacco, you're a Super Bowl winner, but but Joe Flacco, the stink on him for me has always been just a little bit of a dull aura around Joe Flacco, and that the Ravens' offense, especially of late, and the back, the back issue version of Joe Flacco is painful to witness. And the entire Ravens' offense for the past couple years has been stuck in the mud, and suddenly you try to tell me that Joe Flacco is going to hold off Lamar Jackson this season, good luck to you because we're going to get a taste of him in the preseason, and the Baltimore fans are going to freak out if he does what we think he can do, and there's going to be major changes in Baltimore, and it's going to be Ozzie Newsome. He started this organization with the homework he did in Cleveland to take Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis. That was incredible continuity that, the, that Ray Lewis basically is correct to say the Baltimore Ravens would never have been the team we that they turned out to be had Ozzie Newsome not been the guy making those picks so correctly. And he finishes it by giving them one of the most exciting quarterback prospects in the history of the NFL. The Ravens are a winner. 
They also take Zeus Brown's son as a possible right tackle. Mark Andrews, the guy, the tight end they drafted in the third round, might even be a better receiver than Hayden Hurst, the guy they got early on. So I, I love what Ozzie did, and I like to look at this like in combination with their free agent plan too. I think the Ravens and the Bucks. I spoke about it on the last podcast, have had the two most impressive off-seasons, but I already talked about that. I'm going to go to the Bears. I love the Roquan Smith pick. And then the second rounder, Anthony Miller, this is a guy that scouts absolutely love when you hear things like, oh, dude, that guy's just a football play, football playing monster, or every quarterback would love to have him, tough as nails. Uh, to me, like, that's – as a slot receiver – doesn't get any more complimentary from scouts than that. I just love everything the, the Bears have done since the offseason started. They, doesn't it feel like, and they are now entering offseason darling territory a little bit, but doesn't it feel like they are in really good position to make a jump and be competitive in the NFC, and it hasn't been that way in a while? They are so much more interesting going into this season than they have been in a long time. I couldn't agree more with Wes. I think they had a great draft, and I think they had a great offseason. It all kind of like – you mentioned with the Ravens, it all complements each other. I think getting Nagy kind of gave them a purpose. They didn't really have Nagy. like a vision Nagy. of what they were going to do with John Fox, and now they do. Well, in a year ago, you, the, the story coming out of Chicago a year ago was that Fox, who we already felt like, you know, you're, you're bringing players into a Fox system, and no one's convinced Fox is going to be here a year or two years from now, which is really a troubling way to enter any sort of offseason process. But now, I mean, they, and they came out of that draft where you find out they draft Trubisky and Fox didn't even know what they were going to do. It seemed like the Bears were in total chaos. They've had ownership issues, I think, for a long time because they just don't simply treat that team with the, with the money allotment and sort of the up-to-date nature that other teams do. It feels completely different right now. You've got a good GM and you've got a good coach that are on the same page. Uh, you're saying that there were tough times in the Foxhole? There were. That's exactly what I – that was sort of – I could have summed up what I just said in that sentence instead. (laughs) Uh, Let's do some losers. Wes, I'm going to wait. I'm going to put you last because I really want to build up to this. All right. Uh, Greg, a loser. Who who would be a loser in this draft? It's tough to really bang teams. I know. I know. On Saturday of the draft. But if you had one, you did write a Dubs and L's column, right? Uh, I – no, I did teams that would get better. That it got better this weekend, basically, because of that. Because it's hard to be like, because yeah. even the Giants, who I kind of like, didn't love how they're thinking long term. They got much better. They got guys that can help them right away. I actually had them as one of the teams that did get better immediately, because uh, they drafted guys who can play right away, including their second round pick, Will Hernandez. Want to borrow like one of my losers? Gonna... Sure, Joe Flacco. Well, yeah, they're certainly player losers. Yeah, I, I would. I would. I mean, say just that... listening to Steve Smith's comments about Joe Flacco to me was telling because he's played with Joe Flacco and I just read more into that than 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 him just saying those comments. There's going to be not just some thick competition. You got RG3, you're out, buddy. You got Lamar Jackson and Joe, who looks like he might be just like us. About five more minutes till we out of here. I, I would say that, like, in ter- instead of loser, you come out of this with a couple teams where you've added more pressure uh, on yourselves because of what you did. And I think the Raiders are one of those teams. Like we said, they've taken you, Colton Miller, f- fine, except that you traded up for him and got, you got banged on that trade. You, got, you, didn't, you didn't get enough when you went down. You didn't get enough when you went down. P.J. Hall was overdrafted in many people's eyes. People hated Colton Miller, too. A lot of people sure. did not like Arden Key was a guy with a lot of issues that like maybe if you unlock his potential, but the people look at him as there's, some teams didn't want to touch him. 
And Maurice Hurst, I, like, I, I, like, I feel bad for him because it's a health issue, but it's a concerning heart issue that a lot of teams didn't have him on their board. The Raiders just sort of across the way said, we're going to continue to raise eyebrows with what we do. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Mark Davis Bryant. It was a swing sure. for the fences type of draft. Even their, like, their day three picks in general, some guys, not just Hurst, that, that I weren't as familiar with, they were just you know, either off-field issues or just ultimate boomer bust type of guys. I I kind of love that the, that's the way Gruden's ru- rolling. Gruden's already having to answer questions about it. He's already swatting down the doubters saying, I'm not listening to the skeptics. You're like a couple months into this. That's why they make sense a little bit as a loser that it's a, it's interesting how much that there's already headlines in Oakland like Gruden answer, answers criticism for draft. Like you just don't expect that in this first year back. All right. Chris Wessling, um, it is your turn to share a loser. Well, look, nobody likes to second guess what the Patriots do in acquiring players because you'll end up looking, you'll end up looking like a fool. Mm-hmm. They've been doing so well at it for so long, and part of this, I guess, is just amusing myself because the bit keeps going. But I was—it's <laughs> a bit. <laughs> what, what's what are the Patriots even doing? You got a forty-year-old quarterback. You got the greatest tight end of all time who is considering retirement in the next year or two. Oh, what is that? You have a very defined Super Bowl window, and you're like, no, I don't need any of these picks in the second, third, fourth, fifth round. We'll just pick at the end of the draft, pick up a few guys. By the way, we we got a new left tackle who a lot of people thought was a guard, and then we draft Sony Michelle to go with James White, Rex Burkhead, Jeremy Hill, Mike Gillisley, guys that they've spent the last two years acquiring, running back, not a position of need on this team. Uh, to me, like, what? Why didn't you go out and get that next uh, developmental quarterback or your quarterback of the future? Why didn't Danny Etling, baby? Why didn't you get some speed at linebacker so you have a, a linebacker who can make a play in a Super Bowl? Why? Well, I, I was totally underwhelmed with what the Patriots did. Greg, they they Greg, got. Uh, you uh, have an answer to that. I mean, they took three picks in the first two rounds. That's a lot, and then they ended I mean, up they also, ended up drafting more players this year than any year that they've that, than they've had in like many years. Big deal, yes or no, that Wes is killing the Patriots right now. He traded Brandon Cooks away for this? It's a sea change. Duke Dawson, baby. I do like that they... It feels different, Mark. It does. um, That they traded away the Jimmy G picks so many different times, (laughs) including into next year, that there's no way anyone can say it was for that one player because they've now turned it into two seconds and a fourth. And this is normally the type of... You know, Belichick stuff that everyone goes gaga over. Like, That's oh, he's playing the board, blah, blah, blah. He, he, they have two seconds he's next playing year. playing scared is what he's the doing. Is three, off. The China is off. I like the fact Arr. that he's planning for the future. It's what they do all along. And, and basically the conventional wisdom for this draft was like it was pretty lame in the middle. And that's that's one reason why the Rams said that they wanted to load up on sixth-round picks. They have like seven sixth-round picks. They didn't believe in the middle of the draft. And so he went and he took a fifth and he took four sixths, whatever. I do yeah, like Will Brinson knows? basically, to your point, said that one of the losers in this draft process was Jimmy G. Truthers because, yes, they cannot diagram what on earth they actually got or right, gave they up have for the Jimmy Bear- G. Like, for instance, point. the Bears got Anthony Miller. The Bears gave up their second-round pick a year from now and a high fourth-round pick this year. I don't really trust, trust the Patriots to make good second-round picks because – 
you know, like most teams, they don't do, they don't do it. It's a crapshoot. So they get an extra one for the Jimmy G trade, and they get a high fourth this year that they turn into a. Do you not come out of this shots. slightly annoyed at the Patriots fan that still exists in you somewhere? Not even do, in the slightest. You're not annoyed they, got, they didn't get a quarterback higher up. Someone that I would have liked really Lamar develop. Jackson, but Sony Michelle was probably one of the most exciting players in the entire draft. They certainly needed offensive line help, and and he was. The, this guy was number nine on Josh Norris's board. Was kind of like the draft next favorite. I don't know if that Where, means anything. Have you considered that Bill what? Belichick has just lost his touch? I, I kind of believe these are hard but tough questions. My, I've kind of come but to fair the, questions. I've kind of come to the the belief that almost all general managers are the exact same in terms of picking players. That it's basically. Well, wait a minute. That. It's that is you a just, nihilist you answer just of had, all nihilist you, answers. You're like a week out from writing you, an article where you ranked the GMs from one to thirty-two. I mean, if that's but your num- conclusion, well, why I'm is saying the, in why terms of ranked? draft picks in production, like that's what the num- the studies kind of show. Where would you everyone, put Ryan Grigson on that scale? He had an unbelievable uh, 2012. Dude. And then what? one of the best drafts probably of the decade. That's kind of what I mean. Is it's kind of a crapshoot. Mickey Loomis was one of the worst pickers. Probably of the last decade, and then it he had the feels, best draft it class. It feels slightly Jeff dismissive Ireland joined of, his of front office. Um, <laughs> nope. it's, it's not a hot take either. That's kind of oh, like it's a hot general, take, all right. General thought. That's is, like saying all quarterbacks throw the same. That that like people have different abilities. For the most part, your your pick rate is pretty similar from team to team. Yeah, okay, but except that certain teams, certain GMs find a way. Like, are you saying that Ozzy Newsom's no different than like when Joe Banner was running the Browns? I mean, come on. I think it's Tom an orga- it's an organizational thing, coaching and teaching. And John Idzik. The, gla- the, the Glacier and Bill Belichick. Essentially, in your world, there's no difference between Bill Belichick and a man named the Glacier. <laughs> they could just as easily put I'm Mike Brown talking, in the Hall of Fame as I'm Ron I'm just talking Wolf. about draft pick success, and it's kind of been proven over time that it's tough to like be good year after year after year doing that. Well, it's because there's a human element beyond the scope of the GM's picks to begin with. But, but in general, you, there are certain teams that find – fit and value, it seems, consistently in their organization. And a lot of that, I think, is coaching and having an organizational fit and, and a million other things that goes into, like, making your team. It's also, like, most of what you're talking about is just randomness with injuries. Yeah. Uh, I'll throw in one last loser, uh, and I'll say it's all those punks out there who had their fun in their little columns after the Jets traded up to pick three. And so, oh, the Jets gave way too much draft capital up. Oh, too many second round picks. What are the Jets doing? Can you give us an well, example? I don't are, want this to be a. What are the Jets? Oh my God, the Jets are doing Jetsy things again. Oh, they gave up so much. Oh yeah, cut to draft night, and the Jets got the the presumptive number one quarterback. Period. Exclamation point. Sam Darnold, uh, and we sat out round two yesterday. Not one Jet fan was upset about that. And when we missed the one second-round pick last year, we won't even think about it because we got a real franchise quarterback. And you know why? Because he, our man, Big Mac, wasn't afraid to take a little heat to move up where he needed to move up to put himself in position to get the Jets a franchise quarterback they've been looking for for 45 years. that feel good? So Felt real good. A quick, Who oh, criticized it, them? Every major Writer connected to the they were, football they were cognoscenti. Do you hear that, Belichick? Those are McCagnan's footsteps. They were killed for getting just up to three, where you're leaving yourself exposed. And if you for, think I'm you know. hinting at you, I'm not. But no, I'm not, because I, I honestly didn't see that or remember it. I mean, I 
the Jets were consistently written as a team. The Jets gave up way too much, and there was also one criticism you had a lot of. Why didn't they even call the Giants? So the Giants won't even pick up the phone when people are trying to get in touch with them, let alone take a call from the Jets. The Jets actually nailed this. I I can which promise never you. happens. I can, but they did. Here is one promise to to Greg and to Wes, and and basically to everyone. This will happen at some point, but when it does, when the Jets and the Browns both uh, are, are hammering teams on a weekly basis, Dan and I will be two of the most annoying people <laughs> on the entire planet. You, you two will suffer the most. Yeah. We, we are I, going to be it's highly pretty insufferable. annoying. It's pretty insufferable, like considering the, the Browns literally didn't win a game last year, how much trash talking. <laughs> I mean, like. I put like, out a tweet last if, night. If it was so ridiculous. And and I and Dan and I are just going punch or punch. Who is going to be the more annoying <laughs> fan when this thing gets turned By the way, around? And I this is all for like a 10-6 season. I wasn't. I haven't been bragging about the Jets' future or anything, but well, we, I feel the, excited. You're on the clock now. And the... Browns, Jets, and Bills. My one last winner, if we want to do a speed round of winners before we move on. Yeah. The Browns, Jets, and Bills um, are all three of the most long-suffering franchises. They all got a big-time quarterback. Now, we know through the history of football, will all three of these guys hit? Probably not. Can all three miss? Maybe. But one and maybe two of these guys can end up being franchise-type guys, and that means two, three of the – uh, saddest teams in football for decades are about to get a major shot in the arm. That's a big win. I'll give you a quick winner. I agree with that. I'll give you a quick winner. I think the Broncos coming out with Bradley Chubb. Totally agree. Turning around and drafting Cortland Sutton, a lot of people thought would go to Dallas. Good wide receiver. They put a lot around Case Keenum, and I think you have to maybe say, yeah, I think maybe Elway Got believes his more in Case Keenum. John than Elway gets his man. Right. I think them Every and the time. Giants are so embarrassed of what happened last year that they're just scratching and not worried as much about the future and looking to get to nine wins, which might not might play well this year and not play well in the future. Hmm. The Broncos could be right back in the playoffs if Keenum works out. I, I love what they did in the draft. Uh, let's check in with uh, Go Get My Lunch. Hold on. One quick winner. Oh, go ahead. Me. Sorry. I haven't always been nice to this franchise, but the Bengals are having a very nice offseason. Look at you. Wiley. They trade for a left tackle, Cordy Glenn. They draft a center in Billy Price. This was their biggest two problems on offense last year, left tackle and center. Theoretically, they fixed those. And then defense, they get a ton of talent, including Sam Hubbard, a guy that Spice Rack is very high on. Malik Jefferson at linebacker, Jesse Bates at safety. I would not be surprised if the Bengals end up atop the AFC North. Whoa, big take there. I like it. And a little bit of a surprise, got to say. Well, they've also got guys coming back. John Ross didn't give them anything. He could He's a major X-factor. Tyler Eifert's an X-factor. Joe Mixon could be a stud running back. There's a lot that could go right for the Bengals this year. Imagine that. We spent five months talking about John Ross last offseason, and yet he did not hmm. do a thing. Maybe it, he will this time around. It's like the five months that we'll have spent you know, talking about the Patriots' demise this offseason, <laughs> only to find week two, and you guys are all like, oh, actually, we were all wrong. Forget I like about this. That. We, have, we have thoroughly gotten under Greg's skin. <laughs> he's triggered. It's right. the first time he's cared about the Patriots in four years. You know why? Because he actually feels a little bit of heat now. He feels, wait a second, the, the tectonic plates, they're starting to shift your, beneath me. Your, your son's grandson <laughs> at this pace will not witness as many Super Bowls as the Patriots had in the last 20 years. I know that, that I've had it good. If it's all over, it was fun. Go get my lunch. It's all over for you being in first place in this competition. Go! Uh, we'll start with Chris Wessling. Uh, Wes, more of the same, middling effort. 
<laughs> doing your best, but you're just not. <laughs> Effort was there. You can't. You're not. You're not making the move that you need to. You're. You go five and five. You had uh, Josh Rosen as the second quarterback drafted, and Josh Rosen was the fourth. I think he was right. Yes. Tenth overall. That is correct. Uh, if the Giants stay at pick number two, they will draft a quarterback. And the Giants stayed at pick two. They did not draft a quarterback. That cost you three sandwiches. You had the Colts will not draft at number six overall. Only Greg took you on that. And they stayed at six and took Quentin Nelson, the guard at a Notre Dame. And you had the Patriots won't trade up for a quarterback. And actually, you got that one right. They did not trade up for a quarterback. Uh, so you get a sandwich on Mark. There, oh, so. yeah. I, There's two I, more sandwiches coming from Mark. Yeah, I will, be, I will be buying a round of sandwiches very soon. And yeah. the Mayock one. Okay, so as of now, you're six and four, but that could change uh, for the better. Mark, right now, uh, let's see. The second quarterback drafted Baker Mayfield. Yeah, Brownies, they said, we're taking them number one and we're just going to roll. How are you feeling about that two days later? What, the sandwich bet or the fact Baker that they Mayfield. took – Number one fine. overall. I feel good. You hear the report that Jim Brown's not happy. I feel fine. Was, I feel good. He was right about Trent Richardson. True. Feeling good. Feeling fine. He nailed that Trent Richardson Sessler he had. Don't come at me. <laughs> <laughs> there will be four or more trades before pick 20. There were. Uh, so you got uh, sandwiches from Dan and Greg. Patriots will draft at least two quarterbacks. Well, they failed entirely with their drafts, so they did not fulfill the promise. I don't even know if they drafted two players. Uh, That cost you three sandwiches. They did pick a quarterback, I think, at the end of the draft. Uh, And then the whole whole Mike Mike Mayock thing you had going on. Uh, I don't think he trended on Twitter. Uh, That was kind of a nothing burger. I I thoroughly lost this. Actually, looking back, as I told you downstairs, Dan and Wes, this was a bad job by me because I should have known a little bit more that the nature of Mayock would know that this was on going to be a thing and that he would, he would in a skillful way, he, he completely ignored it. She's not out, anyone's clown. Shout out to listener Cody Darmos, who actually created a fake article in which he, he tried. Thank described you, Mike Mayock as being awesome. apoplectic. He, he attempted awesome. to help me out. <laughs> so, Mark five and five there. Greg? Yes. You saw it coming even before the draft and, and the meteor struck. You went... Two and nine. Uh, you had Mayfield second off the board. Well, I'd be four and nine if it was updated, but yeah. Yeah, okay, four and nine. Isaiah Wynn gets drafted between 27 and 32. This was a double banger for Greg, and actually in the moment on Thursday night, uh, Mark was trying to talk to Greg, and Greg kind of snapped at Mark and then took his laptop and went and finished his uh, column somewhere else. That has nothing to do with <laughs> Good because analysis. Not good only analysis. did Isaiah Wynn go, that has, be- go before that, that I was window. trying to write the article. <laughs> Not only did Wynn go before that, he went to the Patriots, mm. and you wanted Lamar Jackson on top of it. So I, I understood why you got a little upset there. Uh, Mason Ra- Rudolph is the sixth quarterback selected and gets picked uh, before dra- – gets drafted before pick 27. Uh, he went in the second round, as we talked about, uh, to the Steelers. That cost you three sandwiches, and the pa- Patriots draft a QB in round one. That did not happen, so – I, according to the way you describe these events, yeah, Greg is kind of a hipster when it comes to the Patriots draft class. He hated it before I did. <laughs> that well, you were upset about uh, the quarterback Lamar Jackson in round one, as upset as Greg it. can get the dra- about the Patriots. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, about the draft. I'm not trying to pretend I'm right. someone I'm not. I have never particularly gotten into the draft. That's a. It's almost a guilty, a guilt, guilty admission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. According to you, neither do any NFL GMs get into the draft. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the old Zeuser, six and two, looking pretty good. The second quarterback drafted Mayfield, no. Jets draft Mayfield, no. Uh, but only West took me up on that one. One of the big four QBs, Allen, Darnold, Mayfield, or Rosen, gets drafted by a playoff team. Uh, he did get drafted by the Bills, but nobody took That's me on That's the way to play it. You uh, stinky bait. No, uh, like the smallest onions possible. That's yeah. the way to <laughs> it's win. calling you yellow. <laughs> it's fine. At least one player from each position gets drafted in the first round. Uh, no kicker, no punter. How about a, did it, well, who took the fullback? Uh, no fullback either. Not in writing according to this. <laughs> well, the wording on the podcast. If you mm. listen to the podcast, fullback was. I went through the every position. Don't get salty with me. I just I I want to check because I'm on the losing bracket here. I all I see in print is K slash P. You can if you so. If I you will go like, back and listen. If you would like, go back. Look, and listen. I owe everyone in this room so and many sandwiches point, at this. Let me point. just say, and Mark, Please. you, you um, owe me a sandwich, Aaron. Spice rack. Uh, welcome, pa- welcome to Go Get My Lunch. The most sure bet in Go Get My Lunch is the newbie always loses. Lamar Jackson goes in the top ten. He went number 32. Only Dan and Wes got sandwiches off it, though. Huh. Now my, my point about go get my lunch as we spin forward. This, this is the end of uh, the busy season for us, finally. Let's go. Some sandwiches. Some payouts. Okay? I, I have said now three times that I will be purchasing sandwiches. What does that even mean, though? I don't want to hear say it. Now I want to see the sandwiches. Wait, wait. You know. Because I went 14-5 and five last time, I don't get any, but now I have to pay them out. No, no, no. It's it's been go get my theoretical sandwich for like more than a year or two. Why pretend otherwise? So why don't we change that? Well, there's no way to do that, right? There's a who owes whom tab on Nick Fortier's page. Okay. We can talk afterwards. Okay. Hmm. I mean, you're going to get a sandwich relatively soon from me. Are you aware that Colleen has the highest percentage in go get my lunch history? (laughs) It's like the batting title thing. I guess it's a thorny. It's a thorny. It's kind of like. Trying She's to roll like back John on in It's July. a thorny one because you owe like eight from the last time. So then it's like, well, how far back do you go? You we could go back years and years. And well, we could do. Boring. What we could do is just, and this is great, Mark. This shows how much I care for you. Wipe all what's owed, but starting in the 2018 <laughs> season, get back on track with what needs to be done here. Well, all right. I would say, t- to be fair, I need to be buying the first round, and they need to be very good sandwiches, and then you can wipe bon the board Mies, clean. preferably. I will bon not purchase. Bon, I'm not purchasing Bon Mies. Joint. I will not be purchasing those. <laughs> Never again. All right. So there you go. Go get my lunch.org. Nick Fortier does great work. Um, Mark privately told me he was surprised that this wasn't updated. Uh, for I did show, not but... say that. Nick doesn't. Uh, that is that is. Wait a second. Unbelievable. Wait a second. As I part. say that, I just did a refresh, and he has updated it. See? Look at that. Total Nicky pro. F. So you are off Mark's radar. That you, nor were you ever <laughs> on it. But you can. You know what? Let the narrative fly as it will. <laughs> All right. There we go. And Greg, three and nine. You got a dub. That's exciting. oh eight and four for me. Short changed me. Eight and four. Eight and four for West. Nice. That is. That's a bounce back week. Oh, yeah. A bit bounce back round. Five and six for Mark. Three and nine, Greg. Seven and two, Dan. All right, let's get Jeremy Bergman on the phone. I think uh, by way of introduction, it should be known that Jeremy Bergman, in addition to being a talented writer and all-around good guy, also a former child actor. Uh, Starred. Star. Starred in the Will Ferrell, Mike Ditka uh, vehicle, Kicking and Screaming. Some would say... The lesser of two movies uh, titled Kicking and Screaming. Greg and I would probably agree with that one. Uh, the Noah Baumbach uh, version <gasps> might be just a little bit more thought-provoking. I, I always thought he was in the Noah Baumbach. Ba- I thought it was no, no. movie. That wouldn't make sense because Bergman wasn't born probably when that was. No, he would not have been an, a, a, makes a sentient actor. I mean, I wouldn't put 
kicking and screaming too high on the Will Ferrell power rankings. But the fact that Burgo is in the film. By the way, also in Station Agent, a film of some renown, and uh, Dudley Do-Right. All right. So we will with Brendan Fraser. Young Snidely was his oh role God. in the 1999 We used film. to call, me, me and my, my buddies, uh, we talked about Brandon Fraser a lot. And we would always say that Brandon Fraser was Hollywood's third choice always for leading men. If you can't get this guy and you can't get that guy, you get Brandon Fraser. That uh, checks out. So we're going to talk to Jeremy Bergman right now. Yeah, Jeremy, you know we were talking about your IMDb reel. How you doing, buddy? What's up, guys? First time, long time. I appreciate you uh, <laughs> running down my, my previous accolades. Any Brandon Fraser stories? Uh, I do have a blown-up picture of him in my bedroom. It is about 24 by 36. Still? Wow. Yep. So concerning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, maybe we'll circle back to your, your Hollywood roots, uh, but let's start with Burgo was sent by David Ely and the NFL news team downstairs to Dallas to cover the draft. And I guess the question that I have to start for to start us here, uh, Burgo, was what was the vibe in Dallas? Because Philly was on fire, Chicago two years ago, rave reviews. Did Dallas have that same type of energy, that feel that people would have a buzz about? I would say no. And the, the real reason is because in Chicago and Philadelphia, the draft was held outside right in the middle of the city, pretty much, Grant Park and then the Ben Franklin uh, Library or Museum or whatever. This time, it's held at the stadium in Arlington. So for uh, the members of the media who have to go there every day, it's a 30-minute Uber drive. And so the vibe is fun around the tailgate, but actually in the city, you, you couldn't tell that there was a draft happening at all. Yeah, I always wonder, like, the residents of Arlington, how annoyed they get when they're just called, like, a totally different city, Dallas. Right. Like throughout the entire day. They're like, wait a second. Aren't, aren't we people? Don't we count? I remember or there something? was we're, we're not Dallas. Any was, beat on that, Bergman? There was also Irving. If you remember the old oh, Dallas yeah. stadium, yeah. Irving was getting popped with that Dallas heat, too. Your <laughs> thoughts on that, Jeremy? Uh, I did not talk to any of the residents of Irving or the Arlingtonians <laughs> to see how they felt about the, the swipe that Dallas has taken at them. Bergman, I know uh, early in your run there in Dallas that I texted you. Um, along with, uh, you know, sometime uh, producer of this show, Erica Tamposi, who is, by by all accounts, running wild in Dallas, uh, <laughs> judging by her her tweets. She's basically a debutante. Yeah, I'm not. It's not clear to me what either of you are doing in terms of actual work. But have you been able at night to get out and around Dallas, either with or without Erica? What is the the vibe of the nightlife? I know that your shifts don't begin until very late in the day, so you could sleep in. How have you been attacking the scene? Well, I, I don't want to disappoint you. The one the, you saw in the group message when you introduced us to each other, yeah. um, she said that she had plans when I asked, oh, do you want to get dinner? So oh. uh, we didn't get to go out that mm. night. She high had um, She was out with Emma and the important people like mm-hmm. Colleen and whatnot. And then we did share an Uber to the stadium uh, the other day, but I have not seen her. She's been doing stuff with Sheck. Uh, mm. The nightlife in Dallas has been quiet. Tonight is the night I think we're all going to go out because there's nothing going on tomorrow. Nice steak dinner, a uh, couple of uptown bars, and we'll see what's happening. What about um, Burgo? As I cycle through your IMDb, uh, you starred in a project called Raising, Raising Wayland, working with the great, incomparable Doris Roberts, who passed away last Dor- year. Doris Roberts of Everybody Loves Raymond fame, RIP. Yeah, uh, your thoughts on working with Doris Roberts all those years ago? Uh, 
she's she's a little bit of a you know a drama queen. L- little really? Uh, yeah. Buns and burner. Uh, <laughs> Give us the blowtorch. <laughs> even in old age, I mean, you know, we shot this movie in New Zealand. You know, and so wow. the three stars were Thomas Gibson, Poppy Montgomery, and Doris Roberts. They were all pretty much owned like the studio system by CBS. And wow. so for this TV movie, they just sent them all to the other side of the earth. And I don't think that uh, Doris Roberts was down with it. Ooh, fascinating. Uh, normally people kind of soften their – yeah, normally they soften their criticism after someone passes away. But Not Bergman. Bergman still got those sharp elbows. <laughs> Treating Doris yeah. Roberts like Hunter S. Thompson did Nixon. Hey, <laughs> Bergo, you are, you are like me uh, from the New York, New Jersey area and um, a big Jets fan. Uh, what is the vibe? A lot of Jet fans there? Like what was the, uh, the Sam Darnold uh, vibe around uh, Dallas, Irving, yeah. Arlington? Arlington, Irving, Fort Worth, everywhere. Uh, there was a sizable Jets contingent here in the stands and also in that fan section in the middle. Um, they were very excited, obviously. I mean, nobody expected Darnold even the night before to drop to three. And so, you know, I was a little nervous after he got drafted because when you put on the Jets hat, you immediately think, oh, this is going to go terribly wrong. Something's amiss here. He's, he's not excited. You know, maybe he doesn't want to be there. But then the introductory press conference yesterday – you know, he's just he's playing a cool like Eli. And um, I'm getting the sense from my friends, my family, my grandma texting me. She says, let's just hope now that Sam doesn't suck. That's, that's pretty much it. I think I, I think we're very happy with the person. It's just how is he going to play on the field? So I was you, we feel, you know, you feel like you've got somebody for like the next 15 years. It does. Nice. That's a great feeling. And we'll talk about that when you get back here. Besides the Cowboys fans, of course, what fan base was most represented? Um, I would say the Raiders and the Niners and the Rams. I think those are all within driving distance for the most part, and they're usually the loudest. Um, the Bills Mafia in the lower right, uh, Colleen Wolf was having a great time with the Bills Mafia, and same with the Eagles fans because they were uh, taunting all the Cowboys fans about the Super Bowl win. Uh, but for the most part, it was pretty evenly spread out. I saw, I'm not sure if you, if you check my Twitter feed, there's a picture of a a young gentleman wearing a Tom Savage Houston Texans jersey. Oh, yeah, uh, I saw so, that. So He's Tom real. Tom Savage is real. He lives. <laughs> Very he good. He was at the draft. Did any player interactions stand out? Because you've been there all week, and you talked to the players leading up to the draft. You were there for some of the press conferences after they were drafted. Any any standout performances or takeaways from those guys? Well, I appreciate that I got to talk to all the quarterbacks on the day before. Uh, they all seemed to be in a pretty good mood. They all acted like they were friends. Mayfield wasn't there, obviously. Um, but the person, I guess, who stood out the most positively was Roquan Smith. I think the Bears are getting a really professional, you know, life-loving guy in Roquan Smith. Uh, I did get, also get to talk to Darius Geis the day before, and I, I had to bring up to him the report from Tom Pelissero about him being considered, you know, over-emotional or, um, you know, hard, hard to – hard to deal with and he basically said you know this is all put out by media reports i don't know who's putting this out somebody wants me to drop to them and he said i'm not going to change who i am this is who i am and uh i think we saw the result of that when he fell to 50 something to the redskins so um it was interesting to watch that in real time and having an opportunity to talk to him beforehand bergman that's very professionally said what it's a quick two-parter i know that you were huddled uh, throughout the weekend with Mike Mayock. Do you feel after spending uh, an inordinate amount of time with him, if you were to see him uh, you know, two months from now on the street, A, would he remember your name? Uh, second question, 
Is this, uh, as a second career for you as a journalist, a decisive win over NFL media's Nick Shook for you to be sent while Nick is left back in L.A. basically staring at a computer screen? Yeah, all your yeah, Mark, muscles gonna, won't help I'm you gonna, now. I'm going to take your, uh, your second question first there. Um, <laughs> it is a decisive victory, although Nick got to hang with you guys at the Combine, so I kind of missed out there. Mm, so it was kind of yeah. like a one-for-one deal. Okay, that's fair. You know, they're, they're a trade Diplomatic. Diplomatic, okay. Uh, Mayock, I've spent a combined actually five minutes with him at the end of both rounds. He did not want to be with me either time, and uh, I had to paraphrase much of what he told me because uh, he was in a rush. I have one question. Oh, he will not remember me. He's a straight shooter, this Jeremy Bergman. I like him. I have one question yeah. before we leave here. Uh, the draft cognoscenti who are sure. there, uh, are they more aghast at the Patriots um, – Hit and miss in this draft or at Greg's performance and go get my lunch? It's mm. a fair question. The draft cognoscenti, meaning Mayock and Jeremiah? They, just like everybody there who's important. Have they been talking about Greg's performance? Um, I haven't heard – I don't mean to you know, insult question. Greg this way. I haven't heard your name um, once <laughs> yeah, this week. Yeah, that's good. You, they don't think about <laughs> me at all. <laughs> um, all right. Burgo, you, you came in here and uh, you said it all. And um, – Yes, Kicking and Screaming is available on uh, streaming formats uh, where you can see Jeremy Bergman starring as Hunter. uh, And he worked with the great Kate Walsh. Your uh, memories. Yeah, but Kate Walsh, your memories of working with Kate. Um. All right, Robert (laughs) Duvall. uh... (laughs) Bobby Duvall. Robert Duvall actually had a, a temper tantrum on the set of Kicking and Screaming. Uh, called his agent. <laughs> yeah, called his agent. Said it was a Mickey Mouse movie. That's amazing. Duvall was kicking and screaming on the set of Kicking and Screaming. It was very meta. Called it a Mickey Mouse movie. <laughs> what did you think it was? What about Ditka? He was in that too. Ditka was in it. He uh, he gave me mess about the Jets uh, when I told him that I was a supporter of the Jets. Um, well, did you yeah, say anything I mean, about he, the uh, 1998 draft? Actor. That was before. <laughs> That was before uh, Sunday NFL Countdown fame, so I, I like to consider myself the launching pad for Gitka's on-camera career. Mm. By the way, Bergman, a seven-year run on Law & Order Special Victims Unit. That, that is incorrect. That is seven oh. years between two appearances. <laughs> okay. completely, unrelated. <laughs> completely unrelated. I feel like at some point, if you were ever an actor, at, on any level, whether it's high school theater, you actually make it to Hollywood, you, you find success the way Jeremy did, you will do at least a two-episode arc on Law and Order. It's it's uh, requisite. All right, Jeremy. Good job. Get home safely and uh, go Jets. J E T S. All right, there he goes, and that's it. That's it for the uh, the draft, the second draft, the second final draft edition of the Around the NFL podcast, and with it, Mark, the end of the season. Our hardly, hardly. Like they're now, all piling into minicamp like four days from now. You're heading, you're heading to Mexico. Little piggies in the sand, uh, a, a white, creamy drink in your hand, no. and uh, a cherry dropped right in it. And here you are, no. flying high. The Sessler family. I don't know if I'm breaking news here to you, Dan. Is a paycheck to paycheck operation. <laughs> there will be no Mexican uh, vacations or any, really anywhere else this but time. But you, around. you are known to get away. Solo. That, that was that is a, that was a true narrative some years ago. It is it is a fade every year ago. <laughs> Last year, any hitchhikers Fading. in your immediate future? 
No, I mean, I don't have a car right now, so oh, yeah. <laughs> I told you, paycheck to <laughs> you paycheck You could be operation. the hitchhiker. <laughs> I will be hitchhiking. So no Sessler solo joints? As of now, none. A pair of staycations. It, it's good. I, I'm, I will help pay for it if you go to Mexico. Now we're now you're we're beginning to put something together. I was trying to think <laughs> what the name of the beverage is. I was calling it a frosty, <laughs> creamy. creamy white Like beverage. a white Russian? Uh, Unrewarded. It is a pina colada. Yeah, pina colada. what I was thinking. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Uh, we will be back on Monday. No rest for the weird. we got three shows coming up uh, next week, so make sure you tune in for that. Uh, until then, this is Dan Hansen signing off for a quiet storm. The mailman, the old boss, and Lindsay Fulton behind the glass. Till Monday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.